Welcome to the Social Chameleon Show, where it's our goal to help you learn, grow, and transform into the person you want to become. Today, it's book review time. We're doing uh, Talking to Strangers, What We Should Know About the People We Don't Know by Malcolm Gladwell, a great author, if you don't know anything about him. Quick little summary about the book here. How did Fidel Castro fool the CIA for a generation? Why did Novell Chamberlain think he could trust Adolf Hitler? Why are campus sexual assaults on the rise? Do television sitcoms teach us something about the way we relate to each other that isn't true? While tackling these questions, Malcolm Gladwell was not, was not solely writing a book for the page. He was also producing for the ear. In the audio version of Talking to Strangers, you'll hear the voices of people you interview, scientists, criminologists, military psychologists. Court transcripts are brought to life with reenactments. Uh, you actually... You actually hear the contestants' arrest of Sandra Bland by the roadside in Texas as Gladwell revisits the descriptions of Bernie, Bada, Bernie Madoff, the trial of Amanda Knox, and the suicide of Sylvia Plath. You directly hear from many of the players in these real-life tragedies. There's even a theme song. It's pretty good. I, the audiobook is just absolutely amazing. If you're not into uh, audiobooks, you don't normally listen to audiobooks, I recommend absolutely getting this audiobook. It is so, so much fun. Uh, if you don't know who Malcolm Gladwell is, uh, he was a, he's a staff writer at The New Yorker since 96, and he's also author of Tipping Point, Blink, Outliers, and What the Dog Saw. Um, also great books as well. Uh, Ransom, impressions? What are, you, what are you thinking about this book? Yeah, I don't know. Look at this. I didn't know that he wrote the book Outliers. Mm-hmm. It's probably another one I probably want to check out too. That, but. that book is absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's a really great book that's where that um that uh that that theory got popularized um the ten thousand hour rule it's a ten thousand hours of oh that's deliberate practice to get mastery that's where that came from I don't, i'm not yeah. saying he invented it but that's where that got popularized well i mean just in general like for people that don't know outliers are like you know you have a standard deviation so like right things are allowed to be within a certain range, but every now and then, you know, something goes awry and you have your standard deviation, which is here. And then your outliers like way out here. Like how did that get there? Right. Um, like, like Michael Jordan or, you know, uh, the late Kobe Bryant, th- those guys are beyond the norm of even the highest level of NBA players. Yeah. But I mean, you, you can do that on anything. It's just like, you know, for even cars that get produced at the factory, it's like, you know, a lot of them are within standard deviation, but then you get this one like, bro, what's up with the radio? Why does it keep turning on every hour and turning yeah. off on its own? Like, Or if uh, you get a Tesla, every other one has got problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, their stock is up, bro. They're, like, is, five, they're like 590, 580. It I don't is. know, man. Uh, it's bad build I, quality is so horrible. At the, time, at the time of this, I was like, that's crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, that was another book that I was going to look at reading and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, as far as I did not read the actual book, so I'm not sure, you know, as far as how it compares. But mm-hmm. for me, the audiobook experience was actually really good. Yes. Um, I like how he, you know, has a lot of reenactments of the, some stuff. And he actually has the real interviews. Like you can hear them yeah. talking in there mm-hmm. for actual some of them like you'll hear him like asking the question in the background it's kind of weird i was like oh he's actually in the background like talking and yeah. then like you know you can actually hear the person give the answer uh to the questions but um you know there's a lot of court cases in here and then there's a lot of uh stuff in here that you know is you know done by voice actors but to me it was none the wiser i don't know who these people are mm-hmm. uh 
when I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is like just listening to like a documentary. Like it doesn't even feel like a book. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he'll be like, oh, you know, this person walks into the CIA and then like you hear this voice actor like start saying stuff and you're like, oh, wait, that's kind of cool. And then you hear another voice actor like questioning his motives. Like, okay, well, how did you get this information? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. Oh, cool. But yeah. yeah. Or, oh. or real, real um, transcript type tapes or whatever that that were that you know were evidence or whatever it is you know yeah, that yeah. they they play well, back and you we'll know. have somebody read it out as if like they were actually in the court and stuff yeah. which is really cool yeah so um or archival yeah. there's a lot of archival audio that that they use in place of somebody reading yeah it's really it's really really well done if um if you've ever heard his podcast uh revisionist history it's very well produced like like that very high quality production like you're saying like a documentary kind of thing yeah, and it's, it just it just has that kind of feel. I'm sure the book has a very similar feel to it. Um, if you guys are still down for it, uh, but for me, definitely this book, you know, turns a lot of you know questions as to, you know, what we normally think. And I guess for me, I'm not trying to say like I, I could predict his book and I knew everything about it, but I'm kind of like that outlier person you know in the book he talks about like the holy fool kind of thing like mm-hmm. i'm that kind of person like i just like i see what society does and they they go down the path and like everybody's all the people in the world right are within standard deviation and i'm kind of that person that is on the outside so it's actually nice to hear him talk about this kind of stuff in a way that uh you know a lot of people can relate to mm-hmm. and a lot of people can get the points that he you know that he's trying to, to you know you can you can pick up what he's laying down if you you know what i'm trying to say right but uh you. He, and you know and that when you hear all of these stories you like you just get the example and it just drives it home um that yeah like there, there's a lot of things about society that just in general leave us vulnerable to you know some of the some of the worst things which he does talk about in the book but it's kind of cool i did like the book very very awesome. Very great recommendation. The book is amazing. I'm glad you liked one. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I got a I got a preview. Uh, I, I subscribed to his podcast. I really like, love his podcast. And I got a preview of that uh, one chapter. It was a podcast episode. And I was like, whoa, I got it. This is what the book's like. I really like I was already interested in the book. Sounded interesting. Being like, yeah, yeah. This is like the book is like. I was like, this is going to be fun. And <laughs> boy, did it not disappoint. I mean, not only is Malcolm Gladwell and in my opinion, just an amazing author. He does so such thorough research and he takes his time writing these books. Um, I think it was like seven years between his, this book and his last one. And he just takes a lot of time just going through, like you were saying, he actually goes and if he can sit down with the person that was there, interviews them and, and extrapolates from them, their, you know, accounts of the situations, you know, with the, you know, whatever facts are, you know, or things that are already established. And uh, he just such a good job of just, laying out each concept and then you know having that main main idea and then wrapping in these little breadcrumbs this is like this is here's some more examples to it's you know to you know um show off the the greater idea so many great stories and it just makes it real easy to digest information and relate to it and get to a lot of times in the book i'm like oh yeah oh i used to think that too like now i'm wrong like what so that stuff was real fun yeah no no that's good man it's good so i guess uh so for those of you that want to read the book sorry spoiler alert we're gonna tell uh you know some of the good stories not all of them but you know we're gonna tell more than a few 
uh, of the good stories here um, to d- dive into it. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to go through just, I guess, three of the things that really stuck out to us that we really enjoyed. Um, so the two, I guess the three concepts are coupling, default to truth and, and transparency slash mismatch. Those are the three areas we kind of picked out that we wanted to chat about uh, yeah. on the episode. But and there's still so much more to the book. And yeah, I said experience is great. I've read it three times already. Uh, it's just so much <laughs> fun to go back through and just listen to stories again and, and hear these different things. And challenge, it's really good to challenge a lot of the assumptions we have, a lot of things we think we know or we, we think we've learned from TV or society or whatever it is that's like, oh, this is just how it is. Like, you know, and really to challenge that, you know, especially like lying and different stuff like that, like how horrible we are, even the professionals. Yeah. So much fun. <laughs> it's out there. I guess so. Um, I'm not sure which one you want to start on, but I guess we'll just start with the first one he starts within the book, I guess, which yeah. is just basically default to truth. Yeah. So, you know, he goes into, I guess, I want to say like the first four or five chapters are all about this subject of like default to truth. And it's just like example after example of like what, you know, what society does. And, you know, he makes a good point in the book. It's like we are normally default to truth as humans because we need to coexist into a society. Mm-hmm. And like that benefits us, which is great. However, you know, the downside of that can be rather catastrophic, depending on whatever the situation is, you know. So, you know, default to truth is basically just believing somebody at, you know, at a glance or just looking at the outside surface and being like, okay, I see what this person's about. And um, it's it's crazy because, you know, I mean, we do that on a regular basis. Everybody's guilty of it. Um, I'm guilty of it, too. Not gonna lie. but there's just times when it's it's crazy. I don't know. What, I, I, I guess we can use your favorite story to explain it. I don't know why you like this story so much. Uh, I, just, I, I, just, I just love it. It just it illustrates how the best of the best these can just be fooled. Just the same as the regular schmo, you know? Yeah. And, and I guess the story we're talking about is the, the Queen of Cuba. Yeah, as she's affectionately known, she was a very high-ranking CIA agent. Right. Um, I think she had done she was on some other agencies as well, and she just moved through, and she was one of the um, highest yeah. regarded agents. Some some agents were like, yeah. "This is the best agent I've ever seen, hands down." Just yeah. raving reviews, and she wound yeah. up being the um, one of the worst spies in the history of the United States. She leaked oh, I mean, so much information. Maybe, maybe the best. I don't know. Worst or best. It depends on the side. Whichever way you want to go with it. Yeah. Right. Wish is the best, but for, as far as the yeah. U.S. goes, like, yeah. yeah. I guess I guess she's ranked amongst the top um, spies ever because of the amount of information she leaked in the years she had done it. Um, and, and she was so blatant. I mean, she, she took an assignment in Cuba as a Cuban spy, nobody thought nothing of it. Um, and she wrote reports about, and she's and the guys said after they read back the things, they're like, "Man, this is right in our face." She just raved about Cuba in these reports, and, and yeah. everything she did. They said they said things on Pinder, her cubicle. It just everything was there in plain sight, and and everything just was pointing to she's a spy and she's working for these guys, and yet at the they highest look- level, these guys had no clue. Yeah. 
as you know, according to Google or whatever, I just looked it up. She's a senior analyst at the DIA, mm -hmm. like a senior analyst in the DIA. So she has to be like, if you can imagine the real estate next to her desk, yeah. like there are other senior analysts there. Her boss is probably higher up than she is in the right. CIA. And there Just were a top couple secret times, on top of top secret. Yeah. And there were like a couple of times that, you know, the boss is suspected, like in the middle of the meeting, she would just like whip out her phone and mm -hmm. then like say something that, you know, like she's walking out of the meeting and then she's basically yeah. talking to somebody on the phone, saying something about, you know, that should be of utmost importance or whatever. And then like, the guys are like, Oh, what, what happened? Why didn't you leave the meeting on the yeah. phone the other day? And she's like, Oh, I was tired. Uh, I went home. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I was on the phone. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, just like trying to play it off, yep. just, like be all nonchalant, like, yep. and just kind of like have it get dismissed. Like, you know, and they're like, Oh yeah, she was tired. That made perfect sense. Like, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're on the phone. You don't remember? Ah, maybe you weren't on the phone. Maybe we somebody thought they saw you on the phone, but you weren't. And that's but that's the premise, right? We we default the truth. We 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 think you're telling the truth until you reach a point, a threshold where things just don't line up anymore. We can't we can't explain away things. We can't. What does it say here? Um, we, we pass the ability to rationalize or dismiss or refute what you're saying. This right. takes a long time or a lot of things not lining up. So that's the thing, right? So this the guy, his whole job was counterintelligence, making sure the agents there aren't spies. And he's sitting there and he's talking to the lady. Oh, you, you were tired? I could see that. Yeah, it was a long day. There's lots of going on. Okay, okay. And, and then it's, oh, you weren't, on the, you, weren't on, you, you weren't on the phone? Oh, I can see that. And it's like, and then he said, thinking back on it, he's like, at one point I was like, I had said something to her and I just said it because I wanted her to just, take this seriously because I had to do my job. I had to go through this checklist or whatever it was. And it's like, she thought she was caught. And he, and he didn't even pick up on that. He's like, I didn't even pick up on this thing. She was so mad and she was so thinking, she, but she wasn't acting like somebody that was in trouble or somebody that was caught or whatever it was. And it's like another thing that we think like, oh, you, you committed this crime. So you must act this way, you know? And that's the thing yeah. that is that's not funny. happening. And this, this guy just went through this whole thing and he's like, we're sitting there and she's just, just waiting for me to drop the bomb. Like we know all about you. We know everything about you. And, and we just talked through it and I left and I thought nothing of it. Yeah. And, and, like, and, and, but that's just the thing though. It's like, we, we have this thing of what the truth actually is. Right. Mm -hmm. So we are as humans, we give other humans in our, in our pods or whatever the case might be. Right. Yeah. Um, just this common courtesy of like, okay, you know, things that you say are truthful and we're going to, we're going to be with that, even though sometimes they're, they're not being truthful and upfront with you, you know, and it's, it's just crazy. And like, just to, you know, reiterate this story, like this was like probably like the third or fourth story in the book. It was chapter three. But, yeah. So, yeah. But as far as like the, the, um, the first chapter that comes across, well, the first chapter is always about what the whole book is about, but anyway, this, the next chapter after that um, talks about Florentino um, Espinaga. Oh, I could butcher his name. I'm sorry. But sorry anyway, <laughs> but uh, he walked into a U.S. embassy and like just dropped like mad intel. Like he had like intel on like all kinds of people in the CIA. He's like, oh, yeah, with this guy, he's your guy. And this guy, he's your guy. And this guy, he's going behind this park bench right here to grab an envelope because it's got some secret, top secret information in it. And he's like, yeah. 
in this picture right here, this is the guy, but you see that lady in the background, that's his wife getting all mad because like they're supposed to be doing something else right now, but he's working. And then like, the guy's like, whoa, like, how did you get all this information? Like, how did you know all of these people? How did you, and it's, it's just like, it's because of Anna Montez. Like, yep. And that's all the types of intel she was just dropping all over everything. You know, and it's, it's crazy. And like, I mean, I don't know. I guess I didn't really enjoy the story as much as you did, Tyson, because I'm not really a Cold War kind of guy. Really I'm, you know, I'm not either. It was just the... It was like before my time. I was like a kid yeah. when it happened. So, like, so I, was I. But I. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. I, I don't know anything about this. Like, yeah, I don't really know anything about it either. I have no idea who these people are or what they did or how important that was or who even Fidel Castro. I mean, I know Fidel Castro, but like... Not to the degree that like my parents do, you know, right. um, you know that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just it, it it to me the the way I loved about it so much was just the the high level in this elite organization, right? You know, and and to just fool everybody, not just not just when she got to that position for her entire career. Yeah, she fooled everybody all she the way up. And I guess what was. Her her brother's an FBI agent as well, yeah, and then like, and then his wife is like counterintelligence, something along those lines. Like her whole family no, is like intelligent. No and no, no none of them had any clue. She was a double yeah. agent, and, and she. And, and I guess what really solidified the story was when she's sitting there with the counterintelligence guy, and she thinks she's busted, and he's just like, "Just let me go through this goddamn checklist so I can get out of here." Because there's no way you're a spy. You're one of the most decorated. Yeah, highly yeah. regarded agents we have. I just need to go through my checklist and get out of here, you know? And it's, it's like, like that level of deception just, it blows my mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of that. I mean, that does like bring across a point to me, um, which is super cool. Uh, I just, for the life of me, I was like, what? I mean, I was interested because of the style, like again, the audiobook is like really, yeah. Um, entertaining in the fact yes. that it's like listening to a documentary. So that's kind of what got me through that chapter, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, but I mean, this story definitely does bring it across. It's like these people work in intelligence. This mm-hmm. is their job to yes. get out there, to find spies, to find people who are deceptive, to find people who are double um, agents, you know, not truthful, you know, and to gather intel on people about organizations and the whole time they have a senior analyst right amongst them who is a spy just dropping all the information that they have every move that they want to make basically in front of their face is being force fed and none of them had any clue and it happened for so long Mm -hmm. and it's like this is just implements one of the weaknesses of default to truth like again this is an outlier um this is something that's out there but you know, it's, this is the common thing when we're dealing with people who we think we know, right? Because mm-hmm. we are defaulting to truth. We think we know who they are. When in actuality, they're, they're somebody else. Yeah. So, I guess there's a good example in the book that's maybe a little bit more relatable. Where he was saying, like, you know, um, the wife, you know, it, your wife, whatever, your spouse, you suspect they're cheating. Maybe you see a couple of things. And you're like, hmm. And you ask. And it's like, oh, I working late. I got, and I was on a business trip and you're like, okay, cool. That sounds good. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. And then, and then time goes on and then little things and you're like, and then all of a sudden you're like, he says in the book, you, you see a, a hotel charge in his credit card. And now, now you're like, listen, that's enough evidence already. I, and that's that tipping point where you're like, 
things make sense. Things make sense. Things make sense. Now they don't. Now I don't believe you anymore. And, and it's just that easy. Yeah. But even, I mean, they went even to further about like talking about like how judges like computers right. better judges on whether or not people should um, get out on bail and, and do all this kind of stuff. And uh, then actual real life judges who can mm -hmm. see people at the courtroom. And it's like, because the computer is just making decisions based off of analytical data. It's like right. XYZ, put a plug in the formula. If you don't meet that criteria, then bam, you're done. Like that's no parole. it. Yeah. But you know, no parole. But yeah, as far as the judges, like they have so many other factors, right? Like they're going to listen to this person's sob story. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at their face. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that human yeah. characteristic. Sleep makes a up. difference. The judges well slept. There's a lot of evidence. Um, if, if you're up for a parole or court case right before lunch, you're very likely to get a um, negative ruling versus if you were the first case after lunch, you're very likely to get a positive thing in your favor. There's yeah. so much that goes into that. Being oh, a human. But, like, that's just the thing that I'm saying is like, that's another, again, another example of where the human element becomes flawed. It's like mm -hmm. these people are getting out on parole who shouldn't be right. all because of the fact that they're going to um, create this, you know, persona or do this thing. And the judge is like, okay, I can see what you're saying mm -hmm. and I'll give you a chance. You, know, you look like a trustworthy guy. <laughs> so what do those look like? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah that, that was interesting too. Like the, you know, and, but then even um, if I'm not mistaken, when they presented the judges and people with, with that evidence and information, they're like, yeah, but never mind your computer program. We're better at this. And it's like right. empirical data says you're not like, right. just, you know, I, what, was there a part in there where they were also showing them what the computer said and then they were making a decision? No, I don't, I don't think they were compared. Maybe, maybe something else I was reading or whatever. Um, but I mean, just, just the whole fact that when you look at the data, this person should not be released on parole, but yet the judge makes a decision across that. Right. You know, which brings me to the next part that I like, which is the transparency and the mismatch. Yeah. So some of the things that you talk about is like these people who are out in front of the judge, like they are creating this persona, right? Mm -hmm. And the judge, you know, as long as they're genuine in what they're trying to say, they, you know, they sound genuine, they do all this kind of stuff. And the judge looks at that and it's like, okay, this person's actually, what they're saying makes a lot of sense. They're, they're being very transparent, mm -hmm. right? They're telling us the truth and, and you know, I, I feel that, but in actuality, this person is just like, itching to get out on parole so he can go kill his girlfriend because yeah. he missed the first time you yeah. know and this persona this transparency this fake thing that he's showing is really a, a mismatch it's not really matched up with his intention or what should actually be going on mm -hmm. you know their behavior doesn't match their actions and or their words they're just putting on this show and facade because they know that by human nature we default to truth and they're kind of they're kind of trying to feed on that Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like how long these guys are in their jail cell practicing. Hey, do I look sad? Do I look remorseful? Yeah. Do, you know, does this sound good? And rehearsing that script and going over and over and over that. And it's like, yeah, you look like somebody that didn't mean to rob that bank. And right, yeah, I'll let you go again. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. But that's just how, you know, how we are as humans. And it's, but it's, that's the thing I liked about this book. It's like, once you understand these things, you know, it feels like you can you can mitigate the time to um, you're going to use to to maybe need too many facts or 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 right. looking through that behavior and say, hey, wait, 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 I feel like this, but 
is this this situation? Like, hmm, maybe take a look back and let me think about this. Now that I have this knowledge, like putting that in practical use with people and, and saying, you know, um, you know, hey, is this, do you not look guilty? Do you not look like a pedophile? Like, am I just using that as what I'm basing this on? Or can I look past that, that thing, what I think a guilty person should look like or act like, and just kind of listen to what you're saying or, or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again, this book just kind of opens up to all of these things that, you know, as humans, we, we do on a normal everyday basis. And, you know, we think people are being transparent when they're not, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of, you know, takes us to the other story about Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Um, you know, classic. you know, it's a classic story. I mean, well, for any of you that were, you know, in, in the financial markets or knew anything about that industry, you know, in the, in the earlier earlier 2000s like people know about bernie madoff um but i mean i think the story is more about harry markopolis than it is about bernie madoff but yeah definitely um it's just about that story in general um you know but if i told people who harry markopolis was like who's that like i I never heard of him until this but then i was decently familiar with that case yeah but it's like but everybody knows who bernie madoff is a he ran the lo- biggest, largest Ponzi scheme known to man. Ever, and, yeah. yeah. Was it yeah. $8, eight billion dollars, something like that? I'm not sure. I, facts, I don't know. It, billions but, of dollars for 30 years. He had swindled amongst the wealthiest people in America. The, the savviest of investors, the savviest of business people. You know, yeah. and again, this is another thing. It's just how people were just unable to detect his fraud. Um, I mean, Harry Markopoulos, I guess, according to the book, he was kind of like a misfit and mm-hmm. an outlier himself. So kind of people were skeptical of, of his tactics anyway, um, which is probably why Bernie Madoff didn't get caught. But Harry Markopoulos knew for almost a decade, I think. Yeah. Um, it was like, say on Google, but like almost for almost 10 years, I don't say like eight years, he knew that Bernie Madoff was a fraud and he brought case after case to whatever authority he could find and be like, look. Look what he's doing, want, yeah. It's like, look what he's doing. Like the numbers don't make sense. He's like, nobody can be invested in the markets and always win and never go down. Like this guy just- Yeah, was he giving like 30% returns year after year after year? Yeah, after like year that. after year and after year. But there again, there were so many people that were invested with him. And again, these were not just anybody anybody like this guy was like worldwide like he wasn't just in the u.s markets like he was he was international that he knew a lot of people in the higher ups who were invested with him who believed in him right who defaulted to truth right they couldn't see the mismatch they thought he was being transparent Mm -hmm. with all the things that he was it was doing and or saying and it's like oh this harry macropolis guy let's take a look at him like oh He's one of those characters. Like, should we really believe him? Is like, mm-hmm. go through all that trouble to to get Bernie versus, you know, my friends are all invested with Bernie. They say he's all right. He matches up. So yeah. I'm just going to go with that. All right. Like, they're billionaires. You're not. They're smart. I don't know you. <laughs> I'm going with Bernie. Right. Like, I see their statements. I see the returns. Right. Sounds good to me. <laughs> and everybody's like, listen, I get a return every year. I show the paper, shows me this stuff. Bernie's great. Bernie's the man. He's been doing this for decades. Look at him. Nice little old man. He don't do nothing wrong. You know, like he's such a nice guy. There was never enough evidence to keep you from saying, wait a minute, like these right. things aren't adding up. And that's what we're saying in the book, right? 
if it wasn't for the 2008 financial crisis, it's very likely he would still be doing that to this day because right. that was the time where there wasn't enough money down. going around. So maybe people wander money back where things fell apart. Right. And that's kind of where, that's where enough evidence got brought. But up until that point, it was just like, damn. Yep. Like this guy's has been doing this for eight years, just blanketly collecting people's money and not giving it back. Yep. Like he's just giving them a paper statement that looks all good. So they never asked for it back. And it's like, wow. Yep. Was like, that and and then what, what was that? Um, that one, was it a hedge fund or something along those lines that was invested in Bernie Madoff? And they're like, something doesn't add up. Let's pull back some of our money. Right, right. right. They, and they, they knew things were wrong. Like they looked at it all and something's not right. We can't figure it out, but we trust Bernie. So let's just pull off 50%. Yeah. And I was like, even those guys were just, they, they couldn't even find that there was nothing truthful about it like bernie's gotta be we just don't understand what he's up to like we don't have his proprietary system so we can't quite figure it out and that's what makes bernie made off great so but in case let's pull a little money off the table you know okay. well, it, I mean, it's just it's so funny it's more than a little but right billions of dollars just put let's just put half of our billions off the table i mean i mean that's the that's the smart play but at the same right. time it's like he, they, but they knew he was doing wrong and they still were like, mm, nah, but we trust Bernie. He's a good guy. Yeah. And I think they had like some of the interviews too. It's like, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. interviewing him, he's like, I, I just like, I, I just didn't want to believe that he was such a fraud. Mm-hmm. Like he was just putting on this thing. It's like, there's no way that this guy could all out be that fraudulent. Yeah. You know, because uh, what he, you know, they were, again, they were thought he was being transparent. They were looking at his demeanor. Um, you know, he was acting the way that he was supposed to act. He was saying, you don't look like a crook. He was saying all the right things that you're mm-hmm. supposed to say. Mm-hmm. And nobody was, people were none the wiser. Nobody, and nobody knew anything. Yeah. But they even say that even his closest associates in his family allegedly had no idea what he was up to as well. Yeah. I mean, that's what it started with, right? They yeah. started, he started with investing his family's money. And then from there, like, you know, he got into the circles um, that's not in the book, but I just kind of know a little bit about that story because mm-hmm. it was like notorious. And in 2008, I lost a, money, a lot of money in the stock market. So like, good thing we were investing with Bernie. I'm blaming people. I mean, it's, at this point, it might as well have been right. At least I'm doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but that's just the case, though. It's like he was very, you know, for me, this story is probably even though it was shorter and it wasn't um, as impactful mm-hmm. as the first story, um, I related to this story a lot more um, about transparency, mismatch and defaulting to truth and all that kind of stuff because, um, because I knew about it, you know, versus Fidel Castro and all that kind of stuff. That wasn't, that wasn't my era. I was, yeah. I was a kid. I had no idea what was going on during those times. So. <laughs> yeah. You what know. was that other, uh, story in that uh, transparency type of mismatch was those college students or whatever. And they were cheating on the, they had the opportunity to cheat on the yeah, test and stuff. But, they, but that's kind of a, I guess to me, that's a well-known case study. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even had the one about when uh, they, they made people like do electric torture to somebody. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, another, famous, that's another common case study that I've heard yeah. before. So, um, but yeah. And it's just like, they had no idea. Nobody was in on it. But, you know, you just assume that these people that you're in the room with are, you know, somewhat, I guess, 
decent human beings or whatever right. it might be. Right. And then like, love and behold, like, damn. Yeah. And then when you try to go through all of it, cause you, you know, the answer to the test, like, you know, who cheated in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And like, they, they brought like, you know, law enforcement officers, they brought all kinds of people who were supposed to be good at detecting lies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. for well, I'm not going to say nothing. Well, the, what, what was it like? 54%, were, I believe, was all you could find, which is just ran, basically random chance. Well, those are for the people that were mismatched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had some, because these were college students, like in this particular example, sorry, we're going off the Bernie Madoff story, but going on to this case study of mm-hmm. where college students um, cheated on the exam. They knew who cheated on the exam because the person they cheated with was an insider. Right. So they and they were videotaping it. as well. Is that? Am I? Uh, I'm not sure. Whatever. They had an insider in, and the yeah. two of this the insider was there along with this college student, mm-hmm. and the insider was the instigator. Like, hey, the teacher left the room, bro. The answers are right there. Let's just bang this out Apparently. real quick, and then, then nobody will be none the wiser. We'll take the money, and we'll, it's a wrap. Yeah. And like, so they knew who was telling the truth, mm-hmm. but yet when they showed the videotape or they, yeah, they interviewed the students, when they had the interviews and they replayed the interviews of the students as to, you know, to see who was guilty and who wasn't um, on the, on the ones where everybody was transparent, right? Everybody matched up with, you know, the ideal of what society's, you know, truthfulness is, uh, you know, the, the, all the law enforcement people, all the people who were good at their jobs, they got those people down 100%. Right. People who were actually either they did it or they didn't, they could tell if they were lying. But for the people who were mismatched, um, they couldn't they couldn't tell better than anyone else. Right. So I think they said like 20% of those people actually could not detect. Like, these are people, that's your job to know people are lying. Mm-hmm. You're super good at it. But for yeah. people who don't fit the normal, you know, standard deviation for the outliers. They couldn't tell them anyone better than you flipping a coin or doing right. something else, which is kind yeah, of Yeah, which is scary. And and that's, you know, and what was the other thing he was talking about um, when they were at, I think it was at Sears school and then they had the students after a stressful situation, they said, okay, who's the, who's the person in charge here? And nobody could pick out who was in charge. Yeah. They all said it was a doctor. Right. And it's like yeah. 20 yeah. people said it was a doctor. You'd go to prison. Like, the guy, you know, it's like yeah. 20 yeah. eyewitnesses said you were the thing. He's like, I was in Hawaii. I, I wasn't even possibly here, but that's yeah. enough people to send you to prison. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just Crazy. saying those in those types of scenarios, but that's a different story. Yeah. But you know, it just kind of goes to the fact that it's like, you know, maybe things aren't always, you know, what is, what it is. And it's just mm-hmm. like crazy. So I don't know. Yeah. Those, the, those are hard. That, that, that's the stuff that really makes you think like, you know, um, you know, you're, you're, you're not acting like somebody that's not in trouble. You're not acting like somebody that did something wrong. Yeah. Like, or you're even not in the case of the student, like somebody guilty, even in the case of the students, there's one student on there. She did nothing wrong. Yeah. Yet everybody thought she lied. Everybody's like, she's a liar. Right. And she's like, acting like somebody that cheated. Like, well, yeah, what does that look she, like? But she was just nervous. Right. And, like she was just nervous or whatever because she thought mm-hmm. she was going to get in trouble when in actuality she did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she wasn't really matched with how she, you know, a, an innocent person would act, mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. That's the things we've got to watch out for. Like, you know, I, little, I guess a little running joke I, I know of, I don't know how, but it's like, you know, when somebody says, oh, it looks like a pedophile. Like, what is a 
pedophile look like? Like that's something we have been trained on television. That's that what it is or whatever. Or like, um, like they, uh, I know they have mustaches, right? Yeah, and glasses. <laughs> and weird white guys. Sure, that's probably a good majority of them, but that doesn't mean anything. Or like, um, was that the in uh, I got the Catholic religion or something like that. Whatever. Um, the forbidden fruit is always portrayed as an apple, right? But that's what Hollywood thought would be a great representation of that. It was well on camera, the red and stuff, but it, apple trees never grew in that region of the world. So it could never possibly be an apple. Well, but I that's mean, what we think whatever, of. Whatever the case was, right? They never really, they, they just say forbidden fruit. Right. All we know, it could be a fruit that doesn't exist today. It could it, be something that we've never had because it yeah. just doesn't exist anymore. Right. Or it, it could be an apple. Who knows? Right. It, it could be a vegetable. Who knows? A vegetable with a seed. Right. Which are fruits? Who, <laughs> who knows? Tomato plant. I don't know. You know, but these are right the default to truth, right? This yeah. is the things that we think are transparent. Um, yeah. but that's just that's those are just common assumptions in life and stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway. But speaking of common assumptions, that brings us to our next story, yeah. Coupling. <laughs> um this is a good one. To me, it was good. A lot of these things just shattered my beliefs. And hey, yeah. people, guess what? It's okay to change your mind. I know, yeah. I know it's, it's hard to believe. It's okay to get new information and formulate new opinions and new thoughts. It's okay. I'm yeah. telling you now, you've got my permission to find out new information. Hey, sometimes they're even facts. Yeah. I know it's crazy, but it happens. Anyhow, coupling. Uh, you want to give a little background of that? Oh, uh, well, I guess, you know, I guess for those of you that didn't read the book yet, and for those of you that are out here, I guess just, just let me pose this question. Um, do you think suicide is something that people will do no matter what? Yes. Or you think suicide is something people do because it's easy to do? Probably yes, is was my answers before. Uh, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying though, it's like, so if suicide is easy to commit and a lot of people are committing suicide, if you take away the easy method of suicide, are these people, are these hundreds of people, or I don't know how many people, thousands of people are committing suicide. Are they still going to commit suicide if you, if you take the easy way out away from them? I would, I, I would say yes. I, and I'm, you're going to commit you suicide. That. You're going to commit suicide. I, I'm with you on that. And when they posed this question in the book, I was like, you know what? People who are going to commit suicide are going to commit suicide. Hands like, down. Yeah. If you take away one method, they are just going to go to the next method because mm -hmm. they want to kill themselves. Right. But ironically, in the story of Sylvia Platt, that answer is incorrect. Mm -hmm. If you remove an easy way for people to commit suicide, the chances that more people will do it goes down. That and blew that my like, mind. And that's kind of why I wanted to share the story. And that's where it comes with coupling. It's like people who want to commit suicide, when you couple that with the fact that there's an easy way to die, that's what actually helps them, you know, helps the percentages get higher mm -hmm. with the suicide rates. Like, I was like, what? You know? So in this, I guess, so we'll get to the background story now. But anyway, just wanted to pose that question out there before we got into the story, because to me, I thought people who commit suicide are just going to go commit it. I, yeah, so I agree. 
And so did most people in this, you know, according to this book, so did a lot of people and a lot of issues and subjects. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Talon Gas was in Europe, I believe, I'm not sure what part of Europe. Exactly. It was in England or something along those um, lines. But in Europe, they created this thing called Town Gas. It was something that you could pipe to your house and use for, you know, your ovens and stoves and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really convenient energy source at the time. Uh, in more ways than one, ironically, <laughs> but uh, it was a convenient energy source that you know everybody used in, in this part of Europe. But the downside to this town gas is that it had really high concentrations of carbon monoxide. So, mm-hmm. those of you that aren't in the medical field or don't know what that is, I'm a respiratory therapist, so I know about carbon <laughs> carbon monoxide. Like it's crazy. Like if it attaches to your oxygen molecule to your blood cells. Oxygen molecules cannot attach to your blood cells and you will die. Like it's crazy. Um, but yeah, anyway. it doesn't have to be a great percentage. It's like 5% or something like that. I mean, you only have so many cells in your body and yeah. you need oxygen. So, you know, you take away that factor, like you'll die pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, getting back to the story, uh, town gas, all you had to do back then uh, was basically just turn your gas on and your stove and not turn the little igniter thing. I don't know, I, I didn't have a gas stove for a while, so I didn't know how that worked, but basically the gas comes out you press a button to ignite it. But if you don't press a button to ignite the gas, the gas will just fill up the room, do this thing, and all of a sudden you're not breathing oxygen anymore, you're only getting carbon monoxide, and then you, you, that's you're it. Dead. See you later. Yep. So for the longest time, um, this section in Europe, made no changes. They were just like, oh, we have some really high suicide rates. And among them was Sylvia Plath. Um, She was a notorious poet and wrote um, lots of great arts of work. Um, More than a few of them were on suicide and all this kind of stuff. So people just made the assumption, right? Like, ah, she's a poet. She writes about suicide all the time. Like she tried to kill herself. Well, at least according to her poems, she tried to kill herself like, all these times. Yes. So, you know, the fact that she killed herself with town gas is like, yeah, okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah. She was going to do it somehow. But ironically, if you were to take that effort away, she might not have committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the interesting question that this brings up. So they bring up all these points. Is like, you know, if you're at a point where you're just depressed in your life and you want to take your life, if you want to shoot yourself, or jump off a building per se. And they even talk about the Golden Gate Bridge in that chapter too. Yeah. Um, that takes a lot of courage. Like not everybody can just go and grab a gun and like put it to your head. Like you actually have to pull the trigger as ironic as that sounds. Like yeah. you think it's easy because the motion is from here to here. Like you can do that in half a second. Yet in order for somebody to actually do that, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of commitment to, to pull that trigger, you know? Um, versus town gas, you don't really have to do much. You just turn it on and you Hang know, it doesn't, it doesn't kill you right away. Nope. You can turn it off at any time, but you just kind of sit there. Um, ironically, you know, I, I'm not sure it's, uh, you know, and there's less mass and you use a gun. Somebody's got to clean that up. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, so that, well, that's a, that's a, that's a thought process, uh, typically women have, but you know, the, the less messful way to commit suicide is the preferred methods that they use. So, yeah. So, you know, and, and 
ironically, they fought it for a long time, but eventually, uh, I forget what, what was the guy's name, the scientist guy, or um, I forget what he was. I think it was a psychologist of some kind talking about sure. coupling and yeah. how it actually works. Like he's like these people don't really. I mean, they want to commit suicide. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but them actually going through it is coupled with the fact that they have an easy method. Right. So they went through all these changes. They changed every all the all the gas pumping to the house. They changed all their appliances. Like this gas would not work. Like they switched to natural gas. So all of their old appliances, all of their plumbing for this gas was for town gas. So they had to redo all of it to every single household. I I don't even know how much that renovation cost. Um, But they, they did it. They went through it. They switched over to natural gas, which creates less carbon monoxide. And guess what? Suicide rates. Plummeted. Yep. It went down. I was like, that just blew my mind. Like, yeah. You're like, what? How did, how is that even possible? Right. You know, it's just like, you, you forget that when you're suicidal, like you just have a moment of weakness. Like right. people who want to kill themselves, like it comes and goes. Like you get to the point, you know, you put the gun in your mouth and then like mm-hmm. you don't muster enough courage to pull the trigger. So you put it down and then like mm-hmm. you don't put it back in your mouth for a while. Right. You just have a moment of weakness and that moment of weakness is coupled with something that you can just easily just turn on your gas and go about your day, not even know, be none the wiser. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. You, you pass away. So I don't know, but they did the yeah. same study on, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. no, no, no. That, yeah, that's just amazing. Um, I guess a story, not in the book, but a look a real quick thing. Uh, um, I, I don't know if I also read the book, but the, this, guy uh, survived jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, one of just a handful of people that ever survived. And he was talking about that on his way um, that day to the Golden Gate Bridge. He's like, I had enough of this shit already. And he went to, he went to, he went to his um, community college. He dropped all his classes and he's like going, he gets on the bus and on the way to the Golden Gate Bridge. He's, and he just kept telling himself like, please, if somebody just talks to me today, I'm just not going to do this. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and he just gets there and he's like, somebody just says something to me while I'm walking down the bridge. Like I probably won't do this. Like, does anybody recognize like I'm about to jump? He gets on the thing. He's like, nobody fucking says nothing. And he jumps like, you know, he's like, that's all it would have taken was that one little disruption. It wasn't the golden gate bridge that, you know, he was like, I'm killing myself and I'm jumping off the bridge. He's like, this is a way I know is going to succeed. And I'm going there. And all he kept telling himself was if somebody just says something to me today, Please, please, somebody say something to me. And, and that's that all he needed that, to stop that. It had nothing to do with the bridge. Well, know, I mean, the bridge, you, you're just coupling it, right? Right. You want to do something that's difficult yeah. to do. Right. So, yeah, he was now, coupled with the bridge. Now you couple it with a bridge, it's easy. But they even talk about, I mean, not that story, but they talk yeah. about the Golden Gate Bridge as well. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, there were no safety nets. There were there, no barriers yeah. in the Golden Bridge to, to prevent people from, you know, if you jumped off. Mm-hmm. Ironically, when they built the Golden Gate Bridge, they put up a safety net for the workers, yeah. Which you know to prevent them from getting injured on the job, right? right? Falling or to their death, falling to their death, yeah. Um, yeah. which costs a lot of money to put that safety net up. But after the bridge was built, there was nothing for a very long time mm-hmm. until you know these smart people out there are like, hey, dude, people are jumping off because it's easy to commit suicide. So yeah, there's a long. Safety- arduous process though to get something approved to put on the golden gate bridge it just was approved yeah i think late 2018 i don't even know if they even started construction yet last i know it right. wasn't but 
well, whatever people, the truth may be, like yeah. you know, it's just like that's the thing, and you know, it's just coupling, and you know, it's like wow, you did it for I, I just that blows my mind too. It's like you did it for the workers, yeah, to, for their safety. Yet when it comes to suicides and suicide rates, that you're not going to do anything about that. Yeah. Well, but they they didn't know that this was coupled. They, they didn't believe right. it. And then yeah, when yeah, they yeah, surveyed yeah. the citizens, they were like, "No, you're going to ruin the bridge. It doesn't look pretty. Yeah. They're going to commit. They're going to kill us up anyway." And the one lady, she's like, "Oh, so if they can't jump off the bridge and jump off a building, then people are below and they're going to get hurt." And it's like all these things that we think, right? Right. And it's like, oh, suicide. Like they're going to do that anyway. Right. Like, right. But nobody has the idea about coupling. So like this, to me, this like brought the message home that, yeah. hey, you know what? Sometimes um, it's not just about what you think people are going to do. Sometimes it's about something else. It's either, you know, um, and I guess if you want to relate this to real life, it's like you think, you know, somebody who you see at work all the time. Yet you only see them at work. So like you're coupling the fact that you know them at work yet when you go home to their real life like they might be a completely different person they might have yeah. something else that's going on and even you know on the side note they talked about like um you know prostitutes and stuff like that yeah yeah that was and, weird and that, that story was kind of ironic too it's like oh well these prostitutes they're they're only hanging around this block you know they're only at hotel street why is that <laughs> you know but uh sorry it's a it's a hawaii joke but anyway um but, you know, when the when the cops went out there and asked them, well, you know, why don't you guys just go somewhere else to another place? And like, they're like, that means I'd have to move. I'd have to do all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know like those other hookers. This is my yeah. spot. My clients know I'm here. There's all these lists of like, I guess you want to say excuses or reasons, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. But it was ironic that like prostitutes would not move a block down. Because they were coupled, right, to that particular place. Yeah. And, like, that worked for them. If you take that equation out and they have to go somewhere else out of their way or, you know, with people they don't like, like, that's, like, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, that's, that's what they crazy. said in the book that they had, they had tried to shut down that one area. They wound up getting different jobs. Yeah, exactly. All of them quit. <laughs> yeah, like, like this isn't working anymore. My block shut down. Let's, let's try banking. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> Yeah, I hear Walmart's hiring. Yeah. Like, like, and it's, yeah, it's like, well, why don't you just move down? No, that's not my spot. Like, yeah. So like, it's so funny. But, the, you know, those are just, you know, bring home the fact that, you know, sometimes people's behavior, not only can it be mismatched or non transparent, mm -hmm. sometimes their behavior is coupled to something else. Yeah. You know, whether it be a place or whether it be an item, an object, or a person, like, you know, like, this this book like really when you're talking to strangers like it kind of opens your eyes about a lot of things yeah, it, yeah. really like the book so even funny with the crime too you know it's like yeah. they wouldn't go across the street they wouldn't go past their little little block or two block area and it's like so funny and it's like wouldn't you guys want to just go commit crimes everywhere like, no, no 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 we're we're 21st to 22nd street we don't go past that i don't know what you're talking about this is weird yeah I mean, it's, but yeah, so like, like these are just, you know, again, these are some of the main points of the book, but, you know, he's got so many stories to yeah. complement these ideas about how these things work. And 
when you put them all together, and we didn't even talk about the main story of the book, and I guess we'll just leave that out to you. Well, yeah. um, the book opens up with a main story that we don't even talk about. So go check that story out because that one is interesting. And after you hear all these other stories and you know about all the things he's talking about at the end of the book, you're like, dang, that's dang. That's, that's why this all went down. And that's what the book was yeah. built Just around. Like, he starts okay. off the beginning of the story and it's like, let's teach you about these things. And then let's hear the end of this story. Yeah. And this is why all that shit went down. It's so a very we'll famous see, story. I'm sure a lot of people we'll, recognize we'll, but we'll save that for you if you, you know, you got to go pick up the book to actually get the main story. But mm -hmm. these are some of the side stories that I thought were extremely relevant and kind of opened my eyes mm -hmm. um, to a lot of the things that, you know, he's trying to say in his book. And he, again, he did an outstanding job, great, wonderful job. And not only did he get it across, but it was done in a very entertaining way, especially with audiobooks. So, yeah, I'm down with that. I like it. Yes, I, 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 I agree. Uh, highly encourage you to get that audio book. Uh, any, I think we kind of hit everything that we want to talk about with that. Yeah, correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Great, great book. Uh, Default to Truth. That's just, oh, it's been stuck in my head since the first time I read this book. It, coupling has been stuck, it's stuck in mine. But anyway. What was that? I said Coupling has been coupling. stuck in mine. Oh, that one comes second. That was, but Default to Truth is the first thing I think of. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm defaulting to truth here. And I'm like... Is that warranted? Do I yeah. feel like you could be lying? Like, <laughs> sometimes you get in your head a little bit, so try not to take it too far to the left uh, or the right. You know, stay stay a little center with it. But yeah, I, I enjoy Default to Truth, and <sighs> what a fun book! What a fun book! Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for more fun, entertaining, surprising things, check out this month's giveaway. Head over to socialcommunion.show/slash/pickme. See what we got going on. We're always trying to look for fun, entertaining, exciting, life-changing, learning opportunities, whatever it is we can find that we're enjoying or, um, or we think will help bring value to your life. Check that out, socialcommunion.show slash pick me. See what we got going on for this and every month. Uh, we'll link to this book and I'll link to Malcolm Gladwell. You can go over ahead there, um, see his other books. Outliers is a great uh, other book as well. Um, you can head over there. I'll give you guys a bunch of different links of things that I can get for you guys. Uh, anything else you want to highlight uh, as far as resources for people, Ransom? Um, no, I mean, well, I guess as much as I don't like to talk about this guy, but uh, this book reminds me a lot of like Sam Harris's stuff. <laughs> you know, like um, the one about lying and the other one about, uh, see, I don't even know what these books are. Maybe you can enlighten people. <laughs> Lying, uh, what was the one we did? Um, waking up, yeah, waking up is, a, is yeah. another one, um, but yeah, so you know, similar, similar topics. Um, Sam Harris likes to talk about, which also make you like do a double take, like, oh, um, you know, uh, that things aren't always transparent, you know, right? So, yeah, lying, lying is a good, a good yeah. complimentary book to this. I'll link to that for you guys as well, yeah, okay. And then this week's challenge. Mm -hmm. I want you guys to think about this now. You are not immune to this. If you're an FBI agent, a CIA agent, <laughs> your dad taught you something because he was a cop, your mom was a something and she taught you, guess what? You're not immune to this. And it's yeah. okay. What we need to know is we recognize that we're not immune to this. We recognize we're susceptible to these things. And what you, what wind up, I believe, and what I notice is what happens is you just take a little bit less time than the average person to come back and be, whoa, 
I'm getting caught with something here. And, and, and that ability to recognize that that can keep you out of a sticky situation that can keep you from going down the rabbit hole too far. That can keep you maybe out of trouble or something like that or whatever. So look through these things, get in touch with default to truth, get in touch with coupling mismatch and all these things. We talk about all things in the book and understand you're not immune to them and practice. That's what it comes down to. We don't, you know, fall to our, you know, you know, we default to our level of training. We don't rise to our expectations. Okay. So when these things come about, if you are trained, you're going to default to that training. So you're not immune to this. Get trained up, try and practice these things. Maybe get a friend or a family member say, Hey, come up with a good lie. Get your best lie thing on and let me see if I can go through and I can pick out the things that don't start to add up and have that tipping point into, I know you're lying now. Try these things, raise your level of training. Yeah, good. And just final thoughts are just things aren't always what they seem. You know, uh, this book and many other things that we like to point out on the show is just uh, people are going to be people. They're going to do what they're going to do. Pertaining to this book in particular in this episode, um, we default to truth a lot as a human race because we want to give other humans the benefit of the doubt. It's carried us through our society and made us prosperous and have done all the wonderful things that allow us to live in our community today. However, you do also need to notice that that comes at a price, right? People like Bernie Madoff, right? People like Anna Montes, like these are some of the greatest, greatest deceptions of all time that happen right under our noses because of this little thing that we call default to truth. And we just want to believe in people. Yeah. So just kind of know that, yes, it's okay to believe in people, but like Tyson said, you got to practice and uh, that can help you avoid some of the downfalls in life. Yeah. Don't, don't be cynical. This is great stuff. If you're looking for people to get on your team of, of default to truth analysis, uh, warriors, Share this with them. Go through this episode. Go through the book together. Um, talk about these things. Start to practice them. Share this with them. This absolutely helps the show. If you like what we got going on, leave a like and a review. Uh, you always let us know if, how we're doing. You want ideas, topics you want us to jump on and cover, let us know. In between shows, you can connect to us at The Social Chameleon Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Don't forget to, to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you like the video version, you want to check out a video version or a uh, little video excerpts, uh, challenges and stuff we do, head over to the Social Chameleon Show on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe there. And for past episodes and links to everything we talk about here today, you can visit the socialchameleon.show. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, keep transforming to that person you want to become. Mm-hmm.